0: What's new, way. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. The Tim Graham Show. This is Sports Radio 1270. Just not hitting the hole. The fan. I know I'm going to get pimped, pimp, they huh? I love sausage. Thank you, Tim. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber. It's all about the hole. Tim Graham Show. I did some uh, some pole. Uh, over the weekend Right Not me Sohonia I did have an accident with a menorah Here we one. go. On Twitter at 1270 A fan. flat
1: mall Taking your calls at 270-1270 What's up baby, how you doing? Here we go This is
0: The Tim Graham Show When's the last time you read the New Testament? Huh? I'm Trying
1: to put my junk back in place You're one of the guys I'm following on Twitter, you
2: know
0: well, I like this guy, uh, Tim Graham Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. Brought to you by Shampo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. We were just having a nice, uh, healthy chat about STDs during as we were coming in. Good times. I'm not going to tell you who was speaking from experience or who was just yeah. using it as, uh, nice. as punchlines.
3: Juicy. You know what I'm saying?
0: I'm sorry. What was that, Snowman? Nice. Wet juicy. know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, snowman. <laughs> I am Tim Graham from The Athletic here with a full studio. Bobby Rosati dibble- <laughs> dribbling the knobs. See if we're talking about STDs. Jonah Bronstein, it hurts when he pees. Matthew Fairburn has the fire down below. That red hair. Huh. <laughs> Chris Baker's in studio. It's puny. Is that Bucky Gleason? (laughs) No, that's that's, uh, Joe Yurden. Oh, (laughs) sounds like Bucky. It's puny. Chris Baker at Sabres Prospects. He's here. We're going to be talking about uh, Sabres Prospects. Why
4: is Bobby bringing that drop in when you're going to me?
0: (laughs) A little strange, huh?
4: Bobby. Yeah. Anyways, hello, everyone. It's good to have Chris Baker
0: in studio for the first time in a long time first time this year. We have a busy show today. We're going to have Buffalo Bills General Manager Brandon Bean on uh, to talk about uh, what's has happened just over the past weekend. Of course, everybody's still dealing with the hangover that is the Buffalo Bills loss in Houston. So many things to be hungover about, whether it's coaching decisions, officials' calls, Josh Allen's play regressing a little bit. But I think By and large, if you're a Bills fan, you have to be pretty excited about your team's future and where they stand, especially in light of the AFC East and what's going on in New England. Tom Brady on Instagram today announcing that he is coming back, but the belief well, we were in uh, New England towards the end of the season listening to sports talk radio there. I think fans are resigned to the idea that Tom Brady's not coming back the signals that we heard from Bill Belichick and Tom Brady after their playoff loss to Tennessee on Saturday, nothing that really gives any kind of consolation that he's going to be back. Everything was vague, which I think makes fans even more nervous, or, in the case of Bill's fans, excited that Tom Brady might finally be gone. although what if Tom Brady ends up in Miami? I'll just say, "What if he ends up on the bills?. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should uh, double check. We have Brandon Bean coming on in a few minutes. I guess we'd be derelict in our journalistic duties if we didn't ask him that question.
3: Is he allowed? That might be
0: tampering. See, now you just gave him an out. If they're That's listening what to, for. if they want to know what we're talking about, if they're if they're listening, if Brandon Bean is getting ready to dial in and he's listening to the show, he's like, well, there's my out. I don't have to answer that question. I'm gonna get on him though if he tries to use that. No, as an he out. can't
3: use that out because we already
0: called that out. Out. No, I don't think so. I think you just go. You just went ahead and approved it as an out.
4: I do like that storyline though of Brady potentially coming to camp to battle it out with Matt Barkley for the number two spot.
0: Oh, you think that's what it would be? Definitely wouldn't be number one. He can't. He's he's no better than Josh Allen. No.
3: It's interesting in the sense of maybe in general, how many teams wouldn't be interested in maybe the greatest quarterback of all time because you have a young quarterback and you don't want him just for one year?
5: That would be a good question for Brandon is, you know, perhaps as a veteran backup, as a mentor to Josh (laughs) Allen. Could you imagine
0: Tom Brady agreeing to that?
3: It's worth
5: asking, right?
0: The Derek Anderson role, the Drew Bledsoe role, the reluctant Drew Bledsoe role. He and
4: Giselle can hang out at the Maple Ridge Hotel there down the road. <laughs> yeah.
5: Tom Brady has not been kind about Buffalo hotels. I'm not sure he'd like
0: that. was before the we Buffalo hotel renaissance. That's right. Yeah. There was a renaissance in Buffalo hotels. Now the, the Pagulas own one. They so could probably a... put him in the penthouse and on, on the house, although that would count towards a salary he, cap. He could live remember. with Gronk.
5: I'm sure there's a Gronk that's household right. he could live with.
0: He could live at Shea Gronk.
5: What if he could probably convince Gronk to come out of retirement?
0: As a package to deal. To play
5: for his hometown team.
0: Well, we're going to ask Brandon Bean about it when he joins us on the show. Excellent, We also have Joel Staniszewski going to be joining us later to talk about uh, what happened with the Bills from a betting standpoint. And uh, also this upcoming uh, weekend, the games, as we move forward uh, towards the, the Super Joel. As he announced uh, last week that uh, he's getting ready. He's anticipating the Super Joel weekend. Super Joel Sunday. And um, so we'll hear from Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. <clears throat> Joining us now on the N Thunderwolves hotline is Buffalo Bills general manager Brandon Bean. Brandon, thanks for coming on.
6: Uh, no problem, Tim. Thank I you don't know. Me.
0: I don't know if you were listening to uh, what we were discussing there right at the intro of the show. So we might as well go ahead and get into it, and you'll understand the spirit of today's show—that uh, right. we don't necessarily take things too seriously. But I can guarantee you. There are more than two Buffalo Bills fans wondering about this possibility or daydreaming about it. So Tom Brady today, he announced today on Instagram that he's coming back, but we don't know where. And a lot of people uh, around New England uh, are resigned to the idea that he won't be back with the Patriots. What interest would you have in bringing in Tom Brady as quarterback of the Buffalo Bills?
6: I'm not, going, I'm not going there. He's a member of the Patriots, so I'm, I'm not even going there. What's so funny? I don't know. I'm just not, go, I'm not going there.
0: I think it would be an interesting idea, but I guess we'll have to leave it at that. We'll talk well, about that think, when you're I don't think
6: there. Tom Brady's going to a team to not play. I don't think he's coming to a team to be a backup.
0: See, now that's no. the type of statement we were looking for. <laughs> yeah. With that is all we need to know. Yeah. Josh Allen learning for a year under uh, Tom Brady would be something though you don't think that he'd be willing to be the next Derek Anderson brandon uh, or no. or maybe back from our era the Bernie Kosar to no. Troy Aikman
6: that guy's an ultimate competitor uh, he's going if he plans to play he's going to go somewhere uh, if it's not New England where he's starting
0: all right so news was just broken on the on the uh, Tim Graham show brought to you by ctbk Josh Allen is not going to lose his job to Tom Brady. Not in Buffalo, anyway, not in 2020. All right, I'm glad we were able to put that to rest, Brandon. All right, now in all seriousness, what's been replaying in your mind over the last four days since uh, the end of Saturday's loss in Houston?
6: Just uh, probably missed opportunities. You know, um, so many things. Games come down to, uh, most close games come down to three to five plays, and um, you know, you can pick a handful that um, either, you know, we had chances to stop them and they made a play, one of their one of their players, or you know, our guys had a chance and and you know, a catch wasn't made, a throw wasn't made, um, a ball wasn't secured. You know, so many so many things that you know, if one or two go your way, you come home victorious, and that's uh, it's such an abrupt end to what was a fun season and one, you know, at the end of the day as we get over this we'll be very proud of uh, the progress we made but uh, the hurt still stings uh, as I talk to you now Tim
0: now as a journalist and uh, you know Matt Fairburn and, and Jonah Bronstein here in the studio with us too and they're going to be asking some questions as we go on but um, you know, as a journalist we need to we need to take uh, stock of everything that happened in the game including the officiating calls the Uh, The touchdown uh, on the opening kickoff to start the second half, uh, delay of game, helmet to helmet, blindside hits, all these different things. Um, This is more of a statement, I think, than a question, Brandon. I know that we have to consider all those things, and they were hot topics uh, on Saturday night heading into Sunday and still, I think, now, uh, the officiating. I think it was incredibly smart, and I was relieved uh, to see that the uh, avenue that the bills were going to take clearly as an organization to not use the officiating as a crutch Uh, it was refreshing to me it was be very easy to do but both you and sean mcdermott come out yesterday and say it was not the officiating let's put that to rest I, i do believe just as a person again i'm saying this personally that there is a bit of a victim's mentality or a whiner's mentality that comes in of you know we're all just here to get screwed and Bills fans have a long history of that I don't know if really there is a question there Brandon but it seems as though that was an organizational decision to say look it was on us it was not on the officiating true
6: yeah 100% I mean you 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 have to operate in what you can control in this world and and that's out of our control that's uh, totally handled by the league office and um, you know, we can't control that. We don't do anything with it. We can control the plays that we can make, the plays that we call, and and the personnel that we put on the field. And Anything other than that is a distraction, and that's how Sean and I view it.
5: Brandon, I'm curious how you watch a game like that. I mean, we get the occasional glimpse at you on television or, you know, a view of you in, uh, in the owner's suite there, but with so many wild swings in a game, I know there's a lot of fans at home, Armchair quarterbacking over this call or that call that that Brian Dable or Sean McDermott make or a decision Josh makes. How do you kind of keep a level head as you're watching, knowing that I mean, there's eyes on you, owners' eyes, but also you know you're considered you know the leader of this organization, and um, I guess how you're how you're responding on a play-by-play basis, even though there's a ton of emotions, people are paying attention to that.
6: Yeah, hundred percent. You nailed it, and. Um, you know, as a younger person uh, coming up in the league, uh, I was very emotional and, uh, you know, I used to have jobs in the coach's booth and, uh, and jobs on the sideline, and I've been uh, told by John Fox to get back and stop yelling at the refs before, you know. So uh, I've learned over time that uh, it's best just to control it and and known as, as I've progressed in the business, probably when I became assistant GM, I, you know, I just said, you know what, I'm going to watch the game with a level head. And, you know, you're churning inside as, as the game swings back and forth or calls don't go your way. But uh, it is important, to your point, Matt, to, um, that eyes are on me and, uh, and to try to, you know, manage that properly. Because I am, as you guys know, you guys have been around me enough, I, am, I do get fired up and uh, I can't say I always 100% uh, can stay steady, but uh, I try to be that the best uh, when I can keep myself sane.
5: How important is that for your relationship with Sean, too? That he trusts that you're not up there, you know, MFing him on every call <laughs> that he might, you know, be a little bit off on, or you're not second guessing things because you're sitting there next to the guy that writes both of your paychecks.
6: Yeah. You know, I always, uh, Sean and I have a very transparent relationship. And listen, he doesn't expect me to agree with everything, and uh he doesn't, as we've told you guys before, he's not going to necessarily agree with every move I make or uh you know every trade or anything like that. everything's not always one hundred percent uh perfect, but um uh, it's human error things happen and and he knows that I understand he has to make quick decisions or Brian Dayball or Leslie Fraser or Heath or whoever's making it, and you're not going to be perfect. I mean, we all watch games on t v and go and you hear it, coaches say in press I had that call back, or if I had that back, I'd, I'd do something different. So um, he knows that uh, I have his back, and and that we'll we'll look through at the film Monday and kind of talk through it ourselves, and and come up with what we can do to avoid any mistakes that happen. But again, this is just like the officials. There's human errors. We all make them, and and Sean knows I have his back 100%.
0: We're in conversation with Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. Uh, Brandon, uh, Josh Allen was under control for the second half of the season when it came to running and turnovers, uh, playing that that reckless style that we sometimes have seen creep into his play, uh, most notably in the preseason and, and very early in the season, he did an excellent job of of uh, working that uh, working that out of his uh, game uh, that he uh, and his performances. And then you get to the playoffs uh, where there might not be any tomorrow, and Allen's running became a big part of the game plan again. How much did lifting those regular season constraints let that? anything-goes mentality creep back into his game on Saturday?
6: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, Josh is a football player. He's, you know, um, I mean, all quarterbacks are football players, but um, he'll do anything for his team. We've seen him. He'll leap people, and obviously I cringe, and sometimes I get on to him. But, um, you know, we did pull the reins back a little bit and say, hey, we want to win this game, and we're not going to try and, you know, hold him back too much. We still told him, try and be smart, try and, you know, take care of yourself. This is not just, you know, let loose and, and, and take free shots and um and I think, you know, at the end of the day I think Josh was running in the first half and and not trying to do too much in the past game. I think just as the uh the momentum. There's so many there were so many swings back and forth in the second half and I think, you know, at one point he just maybe he felt in his mind like maybe the game was slipping away. I don't know. It'd be a question for him, but uh we all could kind of feel it a little bit and I think that's when he Probably tried to. It probably reverted back a little bit. But again, as I said yesterday, um, I'll I'll ride or die with Josh. I mean, he's just um, you want that type of competitor. His his heart and his head's in the right spot. It's just um, sometimes he tries to do too much. And again, I can do a better job of giving him more weapons to where he doesn't feel like he's got to put the whole team on his back.
5: Brandon, when it comes to Josh as a runner. When you see what he did, uh, 92 yards on the ground against the Texans, and when you see what, you know, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson changed the game with his legs uh, on that first touchdown run. Lamar Jackson has, you know, the Ravens as the number one seed, largely with what uh, he's done with his legs, also with his arm. But when you see what type of impact that can make, is there any temptation to, to make some of those designed runs an even bigger part of your offense?
6: Well, I think you got to pick your spots. I mean, uh, it's a physical game, and, you know, you don't want, at some point if you do it too much, the more you do it, um, obviously you're up in the odds of a hit that, you know, either a helmet hit, uh, you know, something landing on his shoulder or somebody cutting his knees out or anything like that. So uh, we'll still be smart with it. And, and as, you know, as we add, you know, more talent around him, I think that will help uh, lessen the, you know, our load or expectation for him to run the ball. But um, it is an element that uh, I said that when we drafted him, you guys would be impressed with what an athlete this this young man is. And when you do have that, and it's you have to keep the run part in his game because it makes defenses prepare for it. And if they're prepared for that, it it allows more throwing lanes for, for our guys to get open.
0: It seemed to me, at least early in the game, that the Texans were not ready for Josh Allen. It was almost as if they said, well, he's not that anymore. Um And the fact that he wasn't that involved in the run game, or at least you know he would have his spots you know all throughout this with the exception of maybe the Baltimore game, he would still have his but you know there were times that it was almost like that aspect of the game was unaccounted for
6: yeah i mean i I do think um again, last year we played them he was he was a you know rookie early in that 's the game that unfortunately got hurt um so you know it's different when you when you play in a guy and in One thing to scout him, it's another one to feel his speed. I think, you know, like our guys, our guys had to adjust to Lamar Jackson. Uh, You know, you can replicate it all you want. We had, you know, Ray Ray McLeod trying to replicate that week during practice what it would be like, you know, trying to fence him in and contain him. And I think Josh has that element to him that, you know, he has a speed, a a long gait that when he gets rolling, uh, he's moving pretty good. And I think. You know, their guys did adjust to it better in the second half, but he still made, you know, that run late even when he, he pitched the ball. Um, you know, that was a pretty good play with his legs. And, again, I think he knew that uh, at times we're going to need him to run to help us, you know, try and score as many points as possible. Unfortunately, we just we settled for too many field goals probably in the first half um, that we needed touchdowns on.
0: As people try to assess Josh Allen where he is after his second NFL season getting to the playoffs – and uh, 10 wins in the regular season, all the great things that he did and the excitement uh, that he conjured here in Western New York. It seems to me that there are a lot of people that are playing a dangerous game in constantly comparing him to Jim Kelly. And Jim Kelly, I think people don't realize, was 30 years old when he finally got the Bills uh, to a Super Bowl. Uh, he had been in the league for a handful, well, for a few years you want to count his time in the USFL with the Houston Gamblers, but he didn't arrive to the Bills until he was 26. They go 4-12 and 12 that first year. Um, he plays 12 games the next year. They go 6-6. Six and six. Um, I, I guess my question here, Brandon, is how, that, that shadow that gets cast by Jim Kelly as the standard how dangerous is that for fans for media for anybody in this town to constantly try to compare Josh Allen based on what Jim Kelly was
6: yeah i think you know the game was different back then too i mean this is two different eras and uh, and Jim had a great career, and, and he definitely, as you pointed out, started out from college uh, to the USFL and, and was 26 when he started in the league. And, you know, I'm sure you're going to be more mature at 26 and you're at, you know, and Josh is 23. So um, I think all those things probably helped Jim. And, and as you said, it, he was 30 before he – I mean, there's so many quarterbacks. You go back to a guy like Drew Brees. Uh, look at him. He was drafted in the you know, top of the second round and becomes a starter. They're riding with him, and at some point that organization decided it wasn't good enough, and they went and drafted Phillip Rivers, and so Drew Brees then moves on, and Philip Rivers had a heck of a career, um, but look what Drew Brees has done. And so uh, it's a fine line. Everybody wants instant analysis, and, and nobody wants to let players, whether it's quarterbacks, running backs, offensive linemen, nobody anymore wants to let them develop between social media fans uh, media itself everybody wants this instant star and there are a few exceptions um out there but for the most part you know nobody wants to let players develop and that's you know that's that's hard on some of these these young players but um to josh's credit you know he doesn't let it uh, I'm sure he hears the noise who who doesn't, but, uh, he doesn't let it phase him. And and he is determined as ever, uh, to prove any doubters wrong
5: along those lines, Brandon, you mentioned, you know, that chargers example, and I guess teams at different points decide when, you know, they, they feel like, you know, their quarterback play isn't good enough and they need to kind of move on or pick another guy. Would it be I think about the Titans right they wouldn't be where they are if they don't sign Ryan Tannehill to have sort of that insurance option and and I guess there's so much projection involved in quarterback play, and you know in a lot of ways you're banking on you know more development from Josh Allen. Would it be wise to sign some sort of insurance in case you don't get that development or do you prefer to operate under the faith and your scouting knowing that you think this guy will develop into what? Uh, what you hope he becomes?
6: No, I think I think we focus. I think when you start going down that road, then you you're not certain that you have the guy. Uh, we are operating here that Josh will continue to develop and, and be you know the long term answer for the Buffalo Bills for you know for a very long time. Um, obviously, he's still growing and, and um, has more uh, marks he's got to hit um, to to reach that. But uh, our thing is to put all our resources into that. And he will you know that's our plan and and there's nothing different. Uh, I think when you start bringing in other players, that means you doubt if that person um, is the guy going forward and uh, as I talk to you today, there's no doubt in my mind
0: when I uh put out on Twitter that uh Brandon Bean was going to be on the show today, I received a question from a from a, a listener out there, Cindy in Albemarle, North Carolina wants to know. <laughs> How does uh, how does your regular season success and established roster with your players alter your approach in free agency of the draft? I know you come in you you almost had to nuke the nuke the roster a little bit, but now this is your roster. How does that uh, how do you make adjustments?
6: Um. What's your question again, Tim? I didn't
0: know uh, you were stunned. you were still on your heels. Uh, how does the fact that you're now three years in established roster regular season success, you're a playoff team? How does that alter your approach to free okay. agency compared to years pa the, the the past yeah. couple
6: years? I got you, yeah, and especially last year last year was uh what I would hope is is an anomaly because we we made the decision to overhaul what we were doing offensively um but no hopefully now we're at we've you know we've got three draft classes in here we know we're about to add a fourth one um and those are the pieces that we want to to build this thing and and have this core and so then it becomes as you as you add those draft classes and and hopefully you know we're doing we're doing well there then the more we draft well and develop the less we have to fill in on the outside but we want to pay our guys and we don't want to have to pay these big ticket items doesn't mean we never will you know you have to take every situation but the goal for us going forward is to fill in gaps here hey we need a backup here hey we need a guy to compete to start with our guy maybe our guy needs to do better just need some competition so uh, we want to continue to find upgrades where possible um, and then um, add as much competition and as much depth you know I would say that's probably the thing that gave us, you know, a better hope this year. Was I liked our depth when we left training camp? Uh, better this year than 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 what we've had the, the previous two years. So and you didn't need it. Well, I know, but you always feel like you need it. And uh, there's times where we lost some guys for a game or two here or there. But uh, no, our, our medical people and, and our players really did a good job of of. Working together and doing what they need to do individually to, to stay on the field, and, and you're right, we didn't lose a lot, uh, which is helpful.
0: Do draft picks mean as um, are they the value of a draft pick? Is it still the same to you now, heading into this year's draft class in 2020 as it was last year, or the year before? And the what I mean in that is that your roster is fuller now. You're not you shouldn't have as much turnover as you have your own people in here. Like you say, you want to bring back your own your own guys, resign them. So then, does accumulating draft picks is it a a little less important?
6: Yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, I think you can still find guys, and and maybe you're not finding a frontline starter, but maybe um, you know you got a back end player, and you find in the sixth round a better uh, a better player at his position, and or uh, a better special teamer. You know, I, I mentioned it yesterday that. You know, I think our special teams showed improvement this year, and Heath Farwell and, and Matt Smiley did a great job of of showing improvement. But I got to give those guys more talent as well. You know, Andre Roberts is a good returner, and um, you know there were some times where we didn't block it well enough for him. And so uh, we want to continue to cover kicks and, and things like that, and be you know we want to be a dominant special team. So uh, I think that you always find needs for draft picks, even if it's not a frontline starter.
5: You've mentioned in the past uh, how mindful you are of who you pay in free agency and, and the type of people that you pay um, almost as much as anything. What about when you're deciding who to give long-term contracts to on your own roster or who not to give them to? What, in your experience in the league, have you seen um, the impact of those decisions have on the locker room? Maybe even more so, I guess, if you decide not to extend somebody long-term.
6: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you want to be able to extend the guys. You want to be able to pay, you know, If I, in my perfect world, I would never be paying double-digit APY deals to guys outside of our team, you know, outside guys that we, you know, that doesn't always happen that way. But um, I would love to, to be paying our own because that's what you want to show the young guys when you draft them. If you grow up and do the right thing here, you're going to get paid. Now, There is a salary cap, and unfortunately you can't pay everybody, so you do have to pick and choose. And sometimes it goes into we have more depth at that position. We can afford to lose this guy a little bit more. Or sometimes maybe we don't feel um, that this guy can handle um, a big payday like that. I mean, we had some guys I remember in Carolina that were very good players that we let walk, that we were just concerned that uh, you give this guy this kind of money is, are you really going to get the same effort out of them that you got before? So you have to take all those into consideration. And, again, you, you want to be able to pay them all, but you you got to think wisely because once you pay them, what I was talking about, double-digit APY, you better know that they can handle uh, success and handle money and that they're not going to come be complacent.
0: I can't remember the last time the Bills and Patriots announced their futures contracts at about the same time. Uh, The press release came out for you uh, the day after, and then they got beat, and their press release of their futures contracts comes out. Uh, Usually it's a pretty big gap. I know that that's an anecdotal thing about closing the gap, but there you were uh, uh, reaching the same weekend of the the season that the New England Patriots did, and with – what may or may not happen with Tom Brady in New England, and how the Dolphins finished pretty strong, the Jets showed some life uh, there. Uh, What's your view of the AFC East heading into 2020?
6: Oh, I think it's definitely going to be strong. Listen, um, you know, the Patriots are a very good team, and until someone knocks them off, um, you know, everybody talks about it, everybody wants to be the, you know, the guru that said, I told you this was the year the the Jets or the Dolphins or the Bills were going to beat them, Um, but you don't do what they've done uh, and discount them, and then you know the Dolphins. Brian Flores showed uh, and his staff did a great job, and and uh, really finished the second half of the season strong. And, and the Jets, you know, I think they finished six and two in their last eight. Uh, so you have to give them, and that's a new regime that's that's trying to trying to build it. And um, you know, Joe Douglas came in similar to me after after their draft. So this will be the first off season that we kind of see if. You know what type of team that he and Adam Gase want to build going forward, but uh, they've got some really talented players. I know you know one or two that you know All Pro or Pro Bowls. So uh, and they lost C.J. Mosley um, in our game, and uh, they never really made it back much. And you know they're going to be um, you know a force to deal with. I'm sure, and they've got cap money and and draft picks as well. So um, I see the AFC East uh, you know as a very competitive division and on the rise.
0: Any thoughts on these uh, coaching hires? Uh, any people that you have ties with or can tell stories about?
6: Not really. You know, uh, you have to give Matt Rule a lot of credit uh, for turning around Temple and Baylor, um, and um, he seems like you know culture is very important to him. And obviously, I know a lot of the people in Carolina, so uh, that'll be interesting. You know, it's always interesting to see how a college coach um, you know transfers and how it you know, he measures up in the NFL. Um, you know, obviously, Ron Rivera in Washington, uh, I think that was a great hire. Uh, I'm partial and biased, so uh, you can probably throw my words out, but uh, I think for that organization, what they've been through, um, I don't, I couldn't think of a better person to go in there and, and get that culture turned around. And uh, I don't know much about Joe Judge other than us playing against him, and, and uh, obviously they blocked a lot of kicks, and, and uh, he seems like, he, you know, guys really play for him. Special teams is such about effort. I mean, there's, there's only so much you can scheme up, uh, and they did scheme up some nice blocks this season. I think they had three or four, but uh, and a couple for touchdowns, unfortunately one against us. Um, uh, but it seems like a really good hire, and, and the Giants know what they're doing. You know, the Maras have been around this game and, and, and Dave Gettleman. So um, those all seem like good hires, and i will be interested to see what Cleveland does.
0: And there's, I guess, still a possibility you could lose a coach to Cleveland. So I'm sure you're going to be watching that one pretty closely.
6: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we sure will.
0: Well, Brandon Bean, thanks for joining us. I know you're uh, doing the rounds, and it's not the you, you want to get started on 2020, and uh, we keep dragging you into uh, questions and answers and forcing you to do things you don't want to do. But <laughs> it's nice of you to join the show.
6: That's uh, good. I, I, when I come on here, nobody can yell at me. They want to think everything's nice. So uh, I'm glad you guys had me on for a little bit.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure I know what that means. Wait, what? <laughs>
6: now There's all sorts of boot.
0: Oh well, oh, I see because we, because you did you you checked the box. We can't. I, I checked, can't be upset at you. Exactly. I see. Exactly. All right. Yeah, yeah I won't come at you now. It's, everything's fine. Brandon Bean, give him an extension. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate did it. Did the guys. show. All right, that was Brandon Bean, Bills General Manager on the NCCC Thunderwolves Hotline. Come be a part of a winning team at Niagara County Community College. Uh, We went long there, so we're going to hit a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, the interview that we just had with Brandon Bean. He had a lot of interesting things to say that he didn't uh, necessarily say specifically or elaborate on uh, at his news conference on Tuesday. So uh, big news about uh, Tom Brady not coming to the Bills and uh, other things. When we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK here on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. show on twitter at 1270 the fan this is sports radio 1270 the fan welcome back to the tim graham show brought to you by ctbk CPAs and business consultants, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic. We've lost half our studio. <laughs> I came back from coffee, said, hey, guys, there's coffee down there. And Matt Fairburn and Chris Baker just up and left. Cleared out. Right before coming
3: back on. And they missed when you said, oh, it's burnt, gross coffee. They're, even <laughs> They're right.
0: And then I took a swig of it after they left the room. <laughs> the it's I think, it, yeah, I think it's been sitting there for a bit. Bobby, the New England Patriots fan that you are. Yeah. Will you remain a Patriots fan without Tom Brady? No, honestly, I'll probably guessing he's a big part of your fandom. I, I, he's really the only reason I pay
7: attention to them, so it, it's going to wane quite a lot. But um, no, I'll still pay attention to him. I just I, I've always been a big big Brady fan. I could care less like if they won a Super Bowl without him or anything. But no, I I just really don't have much interest if if he's not there. May
0: surprise you though. Because fandom's funny that way. Right. We've right. talked about it. And I've, I've thought about that. I, times when I've thought I didn't care about a, sp- a certain team, namely the my Cleveland sports teams from my youth. and yeah. When LeBron James announced that he was leaving Cleveland, and I thought I wasn't going to care. And I thought it was like a <gasps> gut punch. Really? Yeah. That's we, we sat. I was with uh, Jerry Sullivan and his son. They went to Tully's, they were going to watch the announcement. And I decided, well, I'll come by there and I'll watch it with you, mm-hmm. just to sit with you in the booth. And uh, they, they, were, they were eating and had a, had a beer. And, and when LeBron James finally announced he was taking his talents to South Beach, I've, I've, I felt, yeah, felt awful. Wow. I didn't think I cared. I was never a Cavs fan growing up i was a cleveland sports fan yeah and i think that's probably what it
3: was but i felt your you felt you empathize with your hometown uh, probably that's different than bobby
7: being a tom brady fanboy. he's
2: never but, gonna root for the but Patriots but what i'm again. saying yeah, right.
0: yeah that's true
7: that there is that part yeah. of it i'm not as emotionally invested i don't think, I
2: think
7: what that, if tom brady plays for another team is that going to be your new
0: favorite oh team? yeah no, that's no. a good question no i'm past that i, I, I honestly i'm, I'm kind of yeah what about of... tom brady with who where do you think he's going to end up chicago like a team that's considered to be otherwise good, if not for the quarterback. How about Tampa Bay? Replace Jameis Winston. I'd buy a Bucs shirt. Just a, just a Brady one. I'm anti-French vanilla. I just <laughs> blindly put two French vanilla creamers. I, that's
5: why I got you both, Tim.
0: I don't like hazelnut either. I looked at hazelnut and said, I don't want that, and then I'm going to go with the other. And I blindly opened it up, and it's two French vanillas.
5: Baker thought you were a French vanilla guy, so I did. that's why that's, I got that. That's all me. That was all that was available, though, I think. Oh, there hey, was a big thing of coffee creamer, too. Just regular? Just plain? I think so. But it was a big thing. I would have had to carry it all the way back here.
0: All right, let's try to unpack uh, Brandon Bean's news conference. What stood out to you? Chris, you were sitting there listening. You were trying not to interrupt because you, know, you could have asked a question. You're all right. You're a part of the show, but I understand. Jonah Bronstein, you guys sat down there, but you were. Into, what what stood out to you guys?
4: Go ahead, Jonah, first.
3: Well, they're not going to sign Tom Brady. That was the obvious lead
0: news. <laughs> Chris was... No, I think so. Were you so,
4: downloading porn? I was. Um, I was. But, no, <laughs> I, I think that... Um, I agree with his assessment of Josh Allen. And the whole time, you know, you're kind of trying to figure out, was he upset about that second half? Because what as a, you know, just watching the game, he completely... I think he kind of fell apart. Like, did the moment get too big for him? And I don't know, was I hearing Brandon the right way? Was he almost, like, okay with it or expecting it as part of his growth trajectory?
7: You know what I noticed, it, it, not to take up too much time, but he said at one point, I can't remember when it was, but I wrote it down, he said, we wanna they went to Josh at one point. I can't remember what game he was talking about, but there were points where he would say, uh, we want to win this game. And I kind of got the impression that he was saying by telling him that he wanted him to play more conservative. And I know that's kind of the, but is that saying to your point that he doesn't trust him
4: as much as he says he does? I don't know. Because like Tim earlier said that Alan regressed, like at the top of the show, you mentioned he regressed. I don't think he regressed. I think that's who he's been. Maybe he didn't have a couple games where he wasn't doing the hero throws or everything else, but you know that he always had that club in the bag.
0: That lateral? I thought he regressed in the game. In the game is yeah, what I mean. okay, okay. like the, the mentality part. Okay. Like he went he went to his default settings.
5: Yes. Well, I made that. I, okay. That, to Chris's point, the I made that point to to Joe Biscaglia after the game when we did our podcast about you know he said that Josh Allen had regressed and I, I think over the course of the game it's accurate but I think to Chris's point the idea that he You know, took a step backwards as a quarterback in that game. I don't, the reason I don't totally buy it is because I don't know that it was any farther backwards from where he really was. They had turned him into a game manager for a good part of the season, but that was still, to your point, the club was still in the bag. That was still, Mm -hmm. that's still kind of who he is. And I think it's a good question you raise and uh, you put it away that I hadn't really thought of is, were they okay with that? Is it, are the, is it written off? And this is not necessarily a bad thing, but is it written off as that was his first playoff start, and those things are going to happen when you're playing with a young quarterback? Or is it does it you know send off an alarm bell in your head saying why did this guy behave like that in in a game like that? And this? it can be
4: both. It can, it can be, be both. a little bit of both. And I, so I do think that he believes that but you won't know until
0: they get back into that position, which takes so long to well, do. And it's just all the right. work that goes into it. And the feelings right now of a guy, um, well, ev- anybody in that locker room, except for Lorenzo Alexander and maybe Frank Gore, we don't know what Frank Gore has done or not, but anybody who's thinking about coming back and playing next year, that arduous, feeling of oh my god now we got to start over from training camp and like we were there we were there and it's such a long road to get from otas and those voluntary workouts or you know getting together with the guys out in southern california to to throw the ball uh you know out at some high school field or whatever to get through preseason, to get through the regular season and, and get back you know it's I'm not trying to make light of it, but anybody who's played a video game knows the feeling of getting to the big level and getting beat by the boss mm-hmm. and having to start over.
5: Or yeah. hell, even, or even <laughs> playing Madden. Get your team all the way to the Super Bowl and you mess something up and you're like, what did I do? I just and that been... takes
0: you just a couple that hours to get, hours get back. This is, taking, yeah.
4: this is going to take you a full calendar year. Well, that's why I but anyways, I'm derailing the no, conversation no, a little that, bit, Chris. But. but that game was not all Josh Allen either. No, it, it was wasn't. a team loss. Six, they it were a coaching 16-0. loss. The de- were... the defense
0: should have been able to handle it. I mean, yeah. Josh Allen did not make so- any critical errors that cost them a sixteen point lead. The field goal, right? There was a fumble that led to a field goal, and yeah, you could talk about you know they maybe didn't hold to the ball for as long as they could have or extend drives or things like that. But with a quarter and a half left, less than a quarter and a half to play. The Texans wiped out a Mm 16-point deficit. And the defense couldn't do anything about it. Tredavious White couldn't do anything to stop DeAndre Hopkins. All of a sudden. Now, a lot of it had to do with Houston moving him out of the slot, putting him on the outside a little bit, and then that changed the the complexion of the defense that held DeAndre Hopkins to one reception and a fumble through two-and-a-half quarters. Um, as soon as he got going, yeah, that then it was all as over. The changed in that game. As soon
4: as he got going, he was getting open, and they were connected. Watson was amazing in that game. Watson was the reason that they won the game. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't anything. That, it wasn't the play calling of the Bills. It wasn't Josh Allen not connecting on throws. Maybe some of those drops contributed a little bit. If, when, kind of getting away from the game, the micro and kind of stepping out. Like when I was driving in today, I was thinking, okay, if I do ask a question. Brandon Bean it would have been a big picture question and it would have been about I I would expect the answer or anticipate the answer to be you know well we can only worry about us and what we control but I think that while having this soul-crushing defeat you kind of want to have a vibe from Brandon Bean if he senses the the tide shifting in the division because in Buffalo for two decades you've been second third sometimes fourth fiddle to the Patriots and does he does that inspire him that should inspire him I think he answered the question as a professional where it's like, hey, it's a competitive vision. The Patriots are still good. You're showing that respect. But that would have been the question that I asked, and he kind of answered it in a way, the way that you framed it for him.
0: A month to go in the regular season, it seemed to me, and probably anybody in this room, it was pretty clear that if the Patriots are wobbly— And Brady might not come back, and all that stuff. And they're starting to not look like the offense. Brady's not carrying this offense, and if he's not carrying the offense, he's not carrying the team. Yeah, unless they get him another, unless they find a Gronk somewhere or get him some help. Then anyway, the the Patriots dynasty looks like it's starting to crumble because it's now defense. It's it's swung back to defense saving the day. And not as not as much on Tom Brady. But with a month to go in the regular season, I think we could have looked at this and said, this is turning into the Bills division. Yeah. You know, maybe not this year, but 2020, 2021. And then the Dolphins were a joke. The Jets, and whether it's, you know, whether Sam Darnold has mono or not, Adam Gase is the head coach. People are starting to look askance at that, like who is what's the with this guy? But then all of a sudden, the Jets start to put some things together towards the end of the season. The Dolphins are starting to form an identity with Ryan Fitzpatrick as quarterback. Again, that's not to say he's going to be the quarterback of the future, but if you can do it with Ryan Fitzpatrick, then you if you can find a quarterback to plug in there, a better one, a franchise quarterback, well, we're looking at a team. That's what I would like so now Brady to go. It's Miami. Now it looks like a free-for-all. It went from bills are clear-cut, heir apparent to the Patriots in the near future. To, I think we're looking at a little bit more of a free more level.
4: Yeah, and I, I agree with you to a certain extent. All this Brady talk, and I know you know we're a Buffalo show. We want to talk about the Bills, but I think that what New England does, we're we're infatuated with the Patriots here. I don't care what anybody says. Bills fans are infatuated with the Patriots, are infatuated with Belichick. You know, but so how the division goes really comes down to what the Patriots do. Still, as good as the Bills can be next year, what are the Patriots going to do? if they don't have brady who is their other guy stidham is that who it is or like who are they? you're going to roll with him you're not going to pick up like a philip rivers right if you're the patriots so what is their plan it's like the fan the emotional fan always says fire this guy fire that guy i don't want to have that conversation with you until you have the follow up like who do you replace him with so if you think that they're going to get rid of brady who do they roll with is it ryan fitzpatrick's like eighth team you know what I mean? Like, why get Could rid of Brady? Then, right? Ryan
0: Fitzpatrick, <laughs> quarterback of the Patriots. All for Jameis Winston.
4: Division. Could you imagine Jameis Winston with like Bill Belichick? Oh Come on, right? Mm-hmm. So, what's their plan? And who? And who's
0: going to be the offensive coordinator? If Josh McDaniels yeah. ends up as the coach of the Browns, which seems the most plausible. See, that's where I think Brady stays. But I was—we
7: were talking to Matt Perino earlier on Jerry's show, and he—he. He, Made me think completely opposite, so I could go either way. But wouldn't you think Belichick wouldn't want to start fresh with a brand new offense, brand new offensive coordinator? Considering no. you don't think so, I don't no. think so. If you're Bill Belichick, no, oh, no, no, no I'm much, saying you don't. Yeah, mean, you as would much
0: stability as possible. One hundred percent. That's what I mean.
7: No, that's what I mean. I was asking yeah. Martin a question. That's what I was thinking. Like, why would you start fresh considering Brady still has. He could be he could be have one leg, and he could still at least get the ball out. You know what I mean? I just don't understand what the point of moving on to something like
0: you were saying if jimmy if Jimmy Garoppolo were still there, then see it Tom, story. yeah, you
4: know, it was a good run. Brady yeah. lost his fastball, but he still has a year left, I think, with New England yeah. to allow them to pocket. get their transition plan. Together, because I don't know if they have. Yeah,
0: everybody in this room knows of my love for Rob Gronkowski and how much I think he's one of the greatest football players of all time, let alone greatest tight end of all time. Imagine how much different the Patriots look if you just put Rob Gronkowski on the field all year. (laughs) Every other receiver gets better. Tom Brady with that guy to go to, the blocking, everything, the aspect of catching, uh, running, uh, the whole thing, the complexion
4: of the entire offense changes. There's a huge drop-off from Gronk. To Lacoste, or whoever. Is he even the tight end, or is he the No, what comeback? was it? Was Ryan uh, Izzo. Ryan yeah. Izzo, Ben Watson. Ben Watson. Ben Watson, out
0: yeah. of retirement. Yeah. So, anyways. All right, wild. we need to hit a break. Yeah. Let's hit a break. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to talk more bills. We're going to get into the Sabres. We want to talk about uh, Lawrence Pilot and um, his uh, ancestor, Pontius. Uh, when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic, here with Matthew Fairburn, also of The Athletic. Chris Baker used to write for The Athletic. Jonah Bronstein maybe someday will write for The Athletic. Bobby I, Rizzati, I Bobby Rosati is just plain athletic.
4: <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay. As long as I'm behind the camera, we can get away with that. The picture of athleticism. Totally, yeah. yes. It's a every day, Jim Thorpe over there. And Jim Thorpe probably did look like that. Yeah. You probably, right. you know, what'd be
0: interesting is Jim Thorpe, whatever it was, nineteen teens. Yeah, yeah. If we had like a little Olympics with Jim Thorpe as he was versus yeah. Bobby Rosati <laughs> right. and it yeah. probably would be, it probably wouldn't be too far, right? right? I wonder what the gap would really be, right? Just as human beings,
7: tremendous. Yeah. Hum- right. Human
4: genetics has come a long way in sports for sure. Yeah. I dominate his ass, and of course, we're talking about Jim Thorpe, the uh, the golfer. Not yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's from
0: From Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Jim Thorpe. Hey, let's talk to uh, Frank in Williamsville. Frank in Williamsville has been uh, a fantastic contributor to the show. Frank the Tank. Hey, the phone line's always open for you and maybe we need oh. to come up with a segment because you always call in with things that are rather pointed and make you think. Make you think. So maybe like Frank's complaint. complaints. What's Frank's hear him Frank's complaints. I like Jack. <laughs> Frank! You got an intro. Are you feeling better? Uh, well, yeah, I am feeling better. I'm I'm still a little raggedy. It's been a week. it's been over a week uh, with this yeah. cold. I've been hacking up during the commercials.
1: I'm extremely raggedy since that Bill's game.
0: Yeah, Howard, uh, what's replaying in your mind? I'll ask you the same question that I asked Brandon Bean at the top of that interview. What has been replaying through your mind over the past four days, most of all?
1: From the two-minute warning on, okay, the Bills got a two-minute two minute warning. they got a break. The Bills got the ball. What do you think um, Coach McDermott told them in the sideline? Don't take a sack, right? So what happened in the first play after the two-minute warning, he gets that running backwards sack where he tries to throw the ball in the and the lineman touches it so they get a uh, loss down and the they're back from their own 30 to like the 40 I'm sorry the, the Houston 30 next play he gets sacked again so they went from the Houston 30 to the Buffalo like 45 in two sacks which was unbelievable I just thought he just melted down in my opinion um, so th- and so the
0: best they- was yet to come
1: Houston gets the ball the right? flip they come down the field, and we stop them. They go for it on, on uh, third and what was it, fourth down. They went for it. And so we get the ball back. In the next series, Josh breaks one, runs down the field, and tries a lateral to a lineman or somebody, right? I mean, he was just, it was just like playground time, you know? He totally lost composure. And I heard what you guys were saying before, like, were the Bills expecting this? Well, if they're trying to give Josh Allen some kind of like easy offense to run, it certainly doesn't look like that to me. All the throws are to the sideline. And in the overtime, the middle was wide open. He had all kinds of time. And he's throwing these hard-to-throw hard, hard balls down and out 25-yard outs.
5: I, I don't understand it. Threw a 50-yard pass to a fullback into in, double coverage.
0: Into double coverage.
5: They got this guy, Singletary, who nobody can stop. And they
1: don't give him a ball. He never runs a ball two times in a row.
0: Let me ask you this, Frank. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen just because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, from Cleveland's standpoint as far as I'm concerned. But would you uh, – are you all for Brian Dable going to the Cleveland Browns? I would or? love for him
1: to go to Cleveland Browns.
0: I, had a, I had a feeling.
1: Please take him Cleveland. <laughs> because you know what I think about today's Cleveland not, Remember Mouse Davis in the run and shoot? For sure. What's wrong with it? Easy. You've got to give Josh easy passes that he doesn't have to think about. Because two things happen with Josh. Either he goes back and they get rushed on him real quick and he throws the ball and maybe, maybe there's a reception or not, or he has a lot of time, which is not necessarily a good thing. Because he stands back there 12 yards from the field, but he doesn't see anything. They showed a replay one time when, I think it was in the overtime, when he made a throw to one of the tight ends. I can't remember all their names. But... The guy was wide open for like twenty yards before Josh threw him the ball. He was on a rollout play. He just didn't see him, and I, I don't know if he doesn't know how to make checkdowns, which is why I say make a real simple offense for him, like the run and shoot. he doesn't have the ball in his arms very long. He just makes a quick read and throws it to somebody like like Beasley or like a quick little scat receiver, and then have a, Combined with the old K-Gun, where Thurman would just get the ball from Kelly, run up
0: the middle either way. Well, I've made this comparison before, and it's not a K-Gun or a run-and-shoot type situation, but uh, the New York Jets, when they had Mark Sanchez as a rookie in his second year, getting to the AFC Championship game two years in a row, um, it was Brian Schottenheimer offense, which is not considered... uh, you know you don't need mensa to get into that uh, but anyway mark san that's exactly what it was we're going to get the we're going to keep the ball out of his hand we're going to get him- we're going to have him throw it as quickly as we can to the cl- the closest guy so that way it's not going to get picked off or fumbled or whatever and i don't know i see i do see some similarities with mark sanchez if, and-, and josh allen
1: when you look at brady on the sideline um, when, when the defense is on the field he's sitting there looking at pictures and everything from up, up talking to people Josh Allen sits there by himself, just staring into the field, right? No one's there talking to him, telling him, here's what they're doing. Brian
0: You're Dable's been upstairs for the last couple months of the season, right? Correct. I don't know what, what game was that where he went up there for the first time on it, but it was probably so a when third. when they
5: started turning it around. Yeah.
4: If Dayball goes, though, so Dable And Dorsey's gets a job. upstairs, too.
5: Okay. Correct.
4: If he gets a job, though, what's his replacement look like? Are you looking at a... Offensive coordinator that has kind of that that Greg Roman type of offense, and will you play off of Allen's mobility? Or do you juxtapose Allen with what you were just describing with Schottenheimer? What's the answer there?
1: I think it's got to be the most simple thing you can give him because I just don't think, I don't know, the worst part is I don't know if you can learn poise. Um, He seemed to have it during the, I guess maybe the difference is poise and adversity because against Dallas, he certainly looked poised. But again, Sometimes it seems like he can make plays within his talent level, especially running the ball, right? But when it comes to throwing, and he has to make these decisions because running is all just reaction. But once he's got to make these decisions on who to throw the ball to, and maybe he's got in the back of his mind, don't get sacked, don't fumble, all these different things to think about. He just locks it down, and I see him on the sideline just sitting there. No one's talking to him. No one's telling him, "Hey, they're only rushing two guys here, right?" I mean, the the fact that. Uh, his the Watt hat on him, the two of the linemen didn't block anybody. He just runs around the end and sacks them.
0: On um, one of the sacks there, I don't know if it was the third down or the fourth down. I think it was the fourth. Well, anyways, it was late in the game. It was during the, the one uh, possession where they went ended up going for it on fourth and 27. It was a four-man rush. Now, it was an, an interesting four-man rush in that it wasn't all four-down linemen. I think a defensive back came in, but it was only four-man rush, and three of them got to Josh Allen
1: coaching? I don't know. I have to think a little bit of coaching, but I don't want to let the defense off the hook because um, Tredavious White did not have a good day against Hopkins in the second half. He had multiple 20-yard-plus catches. Um, even on the touchdown that, uh, that uh, Watson scored, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was Poyer who hit him right at the five-yard line and doesn't stop him. And let's not forget the big play, they get the great escape, if you want it, that you can add to home run throwback and no goal and all the rest of them in the Buffalo history. Is uh, is the Great Escape? I mean, two guys smash Watson, and somehow or another, he gets out of it to run for like forty-five yards or whatever, to, to basically cap the game.
0: That's a good line there.
5: You know, it's an interesting thing that as I went back and you know, you talk about these sacks, those two, those back-to-back sacks that Josh Allen took. This, the Texans sacked Josh Allen three times. The Bills sacked Deshaun Watson seven times, and the yardage in sacks was, I think, too different. I think the Bills had two more sack yards than the Texans did. When Josh Allen was getting sacked, he was losing a tremendous amount of yards. When Deshaun Watson was getting sacked, he was scrambling, mostly getting back to the line of scrimmage, with the exception of a couple of, of them. But the negative plays aren't limited to you know an interception or, or you know a missed, missed read or whatever it may be. Those plays, like you talk about, Frank, they're sitting at the 30-yard line, and then they're all of a sudden back in their own territory, and it's unbelievable.
2: You're thinking they're going
5: to
1: take a field goal, and next thing you know, you're, you're hoping that Houston doesn't score seven. But the defense stopped them. You know, I don't know. I just don't, I don't understand what I'm seeing sometimes. It's just that, uh, it, it doesn't seem to me that they had, they had so many opportunities. But with, with Josh, like you said, he got huge amounts of yards taken against him. So I couldn't watch a game until finally at the Philadelphia game was on. I flipped it on for a little bit. And I'm watching Mc, McNown, who's like 41 years old or something, making all these reads and throwing all the right. But of course, he's got half the arm that Josh does, and he can't run either. But he's moving the team down the field with just being smart and throwing good good, good plays and good set-up passes. And I'm like, why can't the Bills do that with Josh? You know, it just it, it doesn't seem that it's... Like, easy throws to, to Singletary over the middle. Uh, he tried to, he, one ball he threw to Duke Williams across the middle. And it was down to his feet. He, he dropped it. They had several drops. One ball with Brown on the sideline. I couldn't figure out why he went out of bounds. And then, and then he tried to come back in to catch the ball. You know, so you can talk about those all you want, but... You, you never see. We it. have eight months. Back twice in a row like that.
0: We have eight months to wonder, Frank, and I uh, appreciate you calling in, and uh, hope you like your new intro, and uh, we'll like uh, and we'll be hearing from you next week. Well, I think we you better. You're, you're, gonna, an you're to
1: attitude to come over, overcome this loss. You talk about the long time between now and the season. I think it's McDermott. Levy was able to do it with the four of Super Bowl losses. We'll keep our fingers crossed and hope that. Maybe Jack, Josh should get hypnotized or something. That'd be
4: good. <laughs> Frank and Williams Office Bill. space. <laughs> Thank you very Frank. much. Showtime. Maybe Be clear. gutting the fish in the locker room. And...
0: Frank and Williamsville. Always bringing that. it.
4: Thanks for calling in, Frank. <clears throat>
0: Thank you very much. Have a great day, guys. All, All right, right. You too. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk some sabers. I thought he said. We got a lot get... more bills
4: to talk How about. How the hell too. does he get an
0: intro and I don't have an intro?
4: I know. I mean, he's on the show more and than she's... you are. Yeah. He's more reliable. I'll so work on it. Oh, we're going to talk. I'm gonna come to your house and step on your logo. Oh yeah, there's a there's a mat
0: outside our door now.
7: Yes, I walk on it. Every there's a
0: Sabers and a Bills like rug, and it's meant for that. It's a to wipe your like to wipe your feet. They're mats. They're floor mats. <laughs> and to which my point is, you're not supposed to step on the logo. But yet the NHL will sell you things to wipe your feet on. License that has the logo on. Chris has some uh, Chris has some high heat. He wants to bring on. On logo i logo th- stuff. I, I, I have high heat on everything,
4: back. Tim, but especially that.
0: On the Tim Graham Show, <laughs> brought to you by CTBK <laughs> on sports radio twelve seventy the fan. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. The Tim
2: Graham Show.
0: This is Sports Radio 1270. Just not hitting the hole. The fan.
1: I know I would get to
0: I love sausage. Thank you, Tim. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber. It's all about the whole Tim Graham show. Come I diddled uh, some pole uh over the weekend. Right. Not me so home-y-a. I did have an accident with a menorah Here we line. go on Twitter at 1270 the Fan Rat Mall. Taking your calls at 270-1270. What's
1: up, baby? How you doing? So here we go. This is
0: the Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, I'm
1: huh? trying to put my junk back in place. You're one of the guys I'm following on Twitter, you
2: know.
0: Well, I like this guy, uh, Tim Graham. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. I can't say they're celebrating their 25th anniversary anymore. It's 2020. That was last year. CTBK, based in Amherst, for all your assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, advice on acquisitions and mergers, all that good stuff. All that good stuff you hope to do someday for all you upwardly mobile American citizens owning businesses and None of which are merging. And, so, I don't know. Chris yeah. Baker, do you own a
4: business? I have an LLC that doesn't really generate much income. Yeah. But I do have a I do have a business that I own technically. I have a
0: DBA. I, I do business as Timothy A. Graham. Yeah.
4: Freshly Baked Ventures that. LLC. Freshly Baked Ventures. My business name. I can sell anything. It's like worldwide pants. How
0: about Constantly Baked Ventures?
4: Well, that would be more accurate. But anyways,
0: we digress. Tell me about Lawrence Pilot and uh, why he is being called up now and not a while ago. And obviously there was a logjam, a defenseman, but
4: well, so that hasn't
0: stopped the Sabres from dressing 42 defensemen this year.
4: <laughs> you know, the thing with Pilot is, um, you know, talent-wise, you know, one of the better defensemen in the organization. I think if you look at Darlene, he's on his own tier, and then you have this this group of guys like Yoki Haru and, you know, you hope that a guy like Scandella would get his game back and, you know, Ristolainen would maybe find his game or at least become an, an average defenseman. Pilot is one of those guys that's right there with them, though, talent-wise. He was coming off an injury to start the year. You know, he had, um, I think, a shoulder deal that he was healing from. Sent him down to Rochester, took him about 10, maybe 12 games to get his game going. And he really started to play to his level. when they got to, you know, the the first block of games through the season. He's been great, okay? Um, Very good transition defenseman, very good skater, very good passer. He's really good in the neutral zone. So if he's carrying the puck out of the end, he gets in the neutral zone, he can hit a winger in stride. Um, That's where he makes a lot of plays. He also has a really good knack for getting shots through from the point. Now defensemen, and they're not those big booming shots, by the way, they are those well calculated wrist shots and he can, you know, navigate traffic, thread the needle, so to speak. I think with him, you know, a defenseman still has to play defense and he's gotten better year over year. I think you should expect him if you're Sabres fans and you're gonna watch pilot play coming up here in one of these next couple of games, is he's he's gonna lose some battles. He's gonna lose some physical battles one on one in corners and whatnot, but he's he's not gonna be a liability by any means but I think it's important that he's going to make the team better by his skating ability and zone exits and helping the team gain the zone. Then it's on the forwards and you still have to deal with this mess of forwards that they have right now. And I'm sure, you know, what's been
0: the hesitation though, to get him up here. It's not as though the Sabres are playing so well that you wouldn't dare want to mess with the chemistry of, uh, of the defenseman.
4: No, no, I think it's, I think he had to overcome that injury and get his game back. As soon as he got his game back, Maybe at that twelve game mark for Rochester, that's when Botterill, Greeley, um, Sexton—they're like, okay, we have this glut, we have this log jam of defensemen. Now we can ease that log jam and bring Pilot up. But he had to find his game first. Talent-wise, he would have made the team out of camp. How much difference can
0: he make? I'm are I think that yeah, obviously he's one player, and he's going to play what, probably seventeen minutes or something like that until. Well, maybe he plays 20. I don't know.
4: I think he's every bit the transition defenseman that Henry Yoki Haru is.
0: Okay, so what's, what can he mean to actual wins and losses?
4: Well, I don't know how to quantify that in terms of goals you know, that he's got to help generate, uh, let, me, but, let me
0: put it this way. How much of a difference will fans notice him making to the team's bottom line?
4: Well, you got to remember last year, he made his defensive partner, at least from an analytics perspective, he made his defense partner look better. On by different metrics, shot suppression. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's where his impact is going to be. It's going to be making that whole defensive group better. I don't know who he's going to play with yet. I'm a little behind on seeing who he's been skating with. He's been
0: skating with Ristolainen,
4: so that's who he made better last year. Okay, that's probably the impact that he has. But um, I mean, we got to see him play. You know, I want to see how he how he reacts this year because he had the stint last year. He looked good. He wasn't amazing last year though because he did have turnovers he did actually lose some battles like we just talked about so let's see the year-over-year growth and how he's applied those learnings to this stint that he has coming up
0: here. all right let's talk about something more important than Lawrence pilot there is a mat outside the sports radio 1270 <laughs> the fan studios it's a sabers floor mat on one, there's a foosball table right outside on one side of the foosball table is a Bill's mat, and on the other side, which is right outside our door, is a Sabers mat. Now, you're not supposed to step on the logo. It's one of the traditions, one of the many silly hockey traditions out there. One of my, maybe my least favorite sports tradition, or not even tradition. It's, it's something <clears throat> even deeper than that. It's like dealing with holy vestments uh, in, in, the, in religion. Uh, like a scapula or uh, um, or your uh, first communion Bible, uh, you are not supposed to touch or step on the logo in a hockey lock. In some hockey locker rooms, other NHL teams are like, whatever, wanking motion. But in the Sabers' dressing room, there's a logo and it's roped off, and you're not supposed to step on it. And yet the NHL sells things that you are meant to wipe your feet on, like this mat that's outside our studio door or floor mats for your car that have the Sabres Cross Swords logo or the whatever. Name your team. The logo, is it, it exists for you to wipe your feet on. Mm-hmm. Chris Baker has a counter to this.
4: Well, I don't think it's about the mat itself. Okay, that mat out there, I wiped my shoes on it sure. when, I, when I came in the studio. How right. dare okay. You. My point about it, and by the way, they had to put that there for Sully, right? Yeah. That's got to be there for yeah, Sully. right Okay, there. yeah, yeah. I love Jerry, but that's the best, one of my favorite Sully stories is his whole infatuation with the, oh, yeah. the logo in the locker room. But, okay, my whole thing with that is if they ask you to not step on it, don't step on it. If you come into my house and I say, hey, t- can you just not, can you avoid that or don't step on it and you step on it, you're being a, a, a you know, you're, you're not being cool, right? Thank you. <laughs> I almost did it. But um, you know what I'm saying? That's my whole point is that it's a respect thing. I don't, You can have an opinion on like the ritual. It's like the flag. Like the flag's not supposed to touch the ground. Whatever. I'm not, you know what I mean? But it's like, it could be, you could think it's stupid. That's fine. Can you respect it? I think so. That's my whole point.
0: Right.
7: If
4: well, they there say are some... don't step on the logo, don't step on the logo.
0: But it also will create a situation where you have to walk, shuffle, sideways to get around, especially when it comes playoff time and you have media in the locker room.
4: Oh, those three steps are so hard for Harrington to take.
0: <laughs> well, that's probably true. It's right in the
4: middle of the- <laughs> <laughs> Or any, or John Vogel. Okay, it doesn't. Have but to it's be right in
0: the middle of the room, and yeah, you have to walk around it. It's a, it's a, so don't put it down there if you don't want it to be stepped on. Then put it on, hang it on the wall. So
4: the thing about the Sabres locker room is that they put the damn logo on the ceiling now, so they can take the stupid logo off. Fine, the floor, right? it's fine. Waste of a
5: lot of surface yeah. area, yeah. especially when you rope it off. Right now, all of a sudden, what's the point of having this big room if you can't even walk on a big chunk of the surface area? And like you said, you have it on the ceiling.
4: Good so is it stupid logo. that they have it on the floor? Yes. If they ask you to not step on it, can you honor that request? It's yes, a, yes, you it,
5: can. It, it's like
0: treating, it, but it's also a space where uh, <laughs> it's a kind of a public space. Even though it is their locker room, it is like you're going into their living room. Right. But then there comes a point where
4: we're supposed to go in there and work. Tim, can you not use that bathroom? You know what I mean? And then you go in there and you take a dump. Yeah. Very similar.
5: It's a little different. There's,
2: there's, there has to be... <laughs> it's Tim at is, least a little different. I'm asking to Tim do something. Not, Tim a, is not
5: <laughs> suggesting that he wants to go and defecate on the logo. He's simply saying that... Uh, you know what I mean. You know, because then where do the requests stop? You know, if they say, hey, Tim, we'd like you to only... You know, enter the locker room with your pants down. Yeah. And it's like, well, they asked. Yeah, it's their house. Two left it's their shoes. locker room, Or how about so I this? Tim would myself.
4: do that though.
0: If you're all right. So I was raised a Catholic, mm-hmm. and there be you, you have these ceremonies where people who are not Catholics would come, like to a wedding or a funeral or whatever, first communion, and you walk into the church and you're not a Catholic, and the Catholics say, well, when you get to the pew, you're supposed to genuflect to the altar before you take your seat. Does that mean that well I'm not a catholic. So I don't know to do. that. It's like well, you didn't genuflect when you got to your seat.
4: Was like no. I don't even
0: know what
3: that means. I, don't even,
4: I was going to say I don't know what that means either. I, I think it means but to look But genuflect at and to kneel like the, the oh, quick oh. the quick here I'll do I yeah, never
7: mind. This yeah. is
4: uh, he's genuflecting right now.
3: Oh and then you get your yeah! Sheet. You're so what you to do, that? do is you should Absolutely. start Apparently. genuflecting at the Sabres logo. Okay, I had no idea. That's right. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> they right? start asking that. There's a problem.
4: So that was my point. Like I didn't come in here saying oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have flaming hot take about the yes, logo. Yes, you did. Yes, well, it's you too did. late.
3: You've already had. Chris the point turned into hockey guy real quick. He's like, just don't step on our
7: logo. <laughs> What's so I hard about I stepped on it? the damn I'm logo. Fine with everything. Out there. You can beat me up. Just don't step on my logo.
0: Yeah, you can come in here and beat us by four goals. The other team can come in here and rag doll our enforcer and run our goalie, but don't step on our logo.
4: That happens too. It the does happen. And, but no, you know, getting back, uh, off come out the logo. and beat Ryan
0: Miller's ass, and we'll stand around and not do anything about it, like they did five or six years ago. Like but don't step be, on our logo. That's you should have to
5: be this tall to ride the ride. You have to win this many games before you start telling people what to do. <laughs> yeah, <your logo>. right. <laughs> I, I think like that. that. I think that should maybe be the rule.
4: Things started to go downhill when when uh, Cheats ran Miller, but anyways. You're right. Absolutely, they
0: did. That was more than five years ago, though, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, it was a while ago. I don't even know. It's that was been... the last
0: year they made the playoffs. Time flies well, that, when I the team you're right? watching sucks. 2011,
4: I think. Yeah. Or 10. Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: All right, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Bills. Uh, we're going to get into, uh, well, whatever we want. We're going to have a free skate. I like it. Ladies' choice. When we come back on The Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis, and Kirshner, CPAs, and Business Consultants. That is the very first time I said that without looking at it. <laughs> Sports Radio 1270,
7: the fan. My
2: junk. You know, Badger, a third, I guess it would be. Selino and Bronstein. partner.
4: Salino, with all that money you that he see has... see me in the play? need some acting lessons. Those commercials with Thurman are painful. But yeah. I didn't want to interject. I know you're doing the Which roster rundown that here. That's Salino, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Salino, yeah, yeah he, he mouths the word. You <laughs> can see him Reed. mouthing the words.
4: Yes. Thurman's good, I think. Thurman's a pretty good actor. Thurman's natural, man. That's awesome.
0: Well, that's Chris Baker at Saber's Prospects, <laughs> where you can follow him, where he talks about things like Saber's Prospects. Exclusively. Matthew Fairburn's here. He works for the Athletic. He covers the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Jonah uh, covers a lot of college hoops uh, here in western New York. Uh, What's the rundown? Uh, Things have been, well, you hate to say they've hit the skids, but the only team winning is St. Bonaventure, and the last time I saw St. Bonaventure, they were getting beat by UB. Yeah, but that was a close game.
3: They didn't play great, but it wasn't like, I don't think it's a bad loss. Buffalo, as of a week ago, (laughs) had a pretty good record, and it seemed like a pretty good team. One of the better teams on Bonaventure's schedule. UB's lost their first two MAC games. Last night they lost by 20 at Ball State. The first time in four years they've lost by that margin or really anything close to that margin. Canisius and Niagara both lost two MAC games in a row at home. Neither of them are off to a very good start in the MAC play. Niagara had a poor non-conference season as well. Wait, I'm sorry. Actually, Niagara won one of those games. They went one and two.
0: Yeah, Niagara's been putting together a couple wins here or there. Yeah, Niagara had... Yeah, they didn't play too well
3: when I saw them against Buffalo. And is
0: Niagara still considered the worst of the big four teams?
3: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, they're going to play Canisius, and we'll see sort of how they stack up head-to-head. But they had the worst non-conference record. I think they're the weakest from a roster perspective. They were the worst team of the four last year. I do think Chris, Greg Paulus is doing a pretty good job, better than I expected. They're playing better than I expected to play, which I think reflects on him. And he just got a commitment from a pretty good recruit out of Rochester, uh, Albany City Rocks AAU player, that I think that's a good development for that program. They haven't been recruiting out of that AAU program. It's been the best AAU program in the state under any of the previous coaches. So I do think I've been a little bit impressed with what Greg Paulus has done so far and maybe where that program's going. But on the floor, I still think they're a pretty weak team.
4: Do I have an 89, 90 hoops basketball card for Greg Paulus? No,
3: he's so too young for so that. So
4: probably Brad Lowhouse then. <laughs> okay.
0: Brad
3: Lowhouse yeah. or Greg Paulus? Yeah, you
4: know, similar.
3: I don't know if Greg Paulus had any cards made for his
0: I bet he four did. College, college do kids, yeah. Okay. You know, they sell them to, rate, you know, whatever.
5: Uh, yeah.
3: Promotional back thing. Then. Greg Paulus is That's from
5: lining his bank account. From
3: Syracuse, maybe one of the best high school athletes to ever play in New York State, football and basketball. I think it was Mr. Mister New York, whatever you want to call it, in football and basketball then played a little bit of football at Syracuse. And being an in-state guy, if he can start getting some of the better players out of Syracuse. You know, the best in-state players, if they don't go away, are going to go to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. But Syracuse has only taken a couple of those guys a year and not even one every year. So UB's got a lot of the UB players, Jonathan Williams and... Dante Carruthers are Rochester guys that played in this Albany City Rocks AU program. So I think it's a real good sign to see Niagara getting a commit this early who's pretty good. Actually, it's not that early, but it's earlier than Niagara has been in, under Chris Casey in the past. They were getting the scraps at the end of the spring. And, you know, that that's the lifeblood of whether you're any good as you're recruiting.
0: This isn't technically uh, local ba- basketball, but talking about Niagara leads me to think of, Pat Beeline, which leads me to think of John Beeline, which leads me to think of Kevin Love. Uh, Have you been following that at all, Jonah? The Kevin Love tantrum against John Beeline and things. uh, What's your take on what's going on in Cleveland with John Beeline? Well, I've thought all along that Kevin Love
3: was a veteran player on a young team that would eventually get traded and would be better off for his career and probably the Cavs going forward that he would eventually get traded It does seem like I watched that video that circulated around and it's sort of where this story started and a lot of people first interpreted it as Kevin Love being upset with his young teammates and you really can tell he's going back and forth with Beeline about the play call and a little bit of them you know gesturing at each other but I don't really buy too much into that John Beeline you know there was a story came out in The Athletic about a month ago that Players are chafing under John Beeline's college styles and the names he has for his plays and the way he runs his practices. And maybe they do have some complaints about that. NBA players don't really like to work that hard in practice sometimes and can complain about that. But I think John Beeline's been a very successful basketball coach at all different levels of college, really knows the game, and he'll adjust. If that was something that wasn't really working with his group, I think he'll adjust that. Maybe he already has. Maybe he feels like that's what the young players need, and he doesn't really care if it bothers Kevin Love that he has to run some drills that he thinks he's above. They're trying to trade Kevin Love anyways. So I don't really make too much of it. I think Kevin Love will be off the team by the end of the year. They're going to go into next season. John Beline will still be the coach, and it'll be one of these situations almost like when a guy takes over a college and got to wait for him to recruit his own players. I don't think he can really judge the job John Beline is doing until he gets into maybe year two or year three with his own guys that he's been coaching for a
0: few seasons, and then we see how well they can compete at that point. I wonder how much you can trust a guy who spent his entire career in college to help assemble an NBA team.
3: Well, it's it's probably not all on him. It's on the sure. management to draft the right there's players. There's a general he,
0: manager, and there's direct you know player personnel guys and scouts and the whole thing. Yeah, it's really how he develops the. But I'm sure players. he didn't take that job without. Final say or close to it on putting the roster together? I don't think he has final say
3: on paper. You know, some guys do actually have that and they do pick the players. I don't think he's in that kind of position. They're going to want to draft guys that fit his style and that he wants to use properly because you don't want to draft a player, have the coach not like him and not give him minutes. And they really already have some of these young players. They have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, two guards that were taken really high in the draft and back to back years. And that's what I'm saying. you got to judge how well those two develop. Can he get them to play together? You know, b offense that he's known for is called the two-guard offense. They have two point guards. It seems like that might be a good fit with two really high, highly drafted players that were both one-and-done college guys. If he can make that work, you know, when that pays off for the Cavs, Kevin Love will be on the downside of his career, and it really won't matter that
0: he didn't get along with b in that first season. Kevin Love, just, I mean – we're getting really far down the line here from Western New York College basketball, and now I'm on Kevin Love. But this goes back to my Cleveland sports fandom and the Cavaliers winning, uh, well, my former. Cle- my, the fact that I pay attention to Cleveland sports, I should say. The Cavs winning the, the championship a few years ago and me really not thinking all that much of Kevin Love. But yet he's put together this career that has a ton of numbers. Is he, is he any good? I mean, is he, is he like the Marc-Andre Fleury... Oh, here we go. Uh, Does
5: he have a shot at the Hall of Fame?
0: Yeah, Kevin Love. Yeah, I mean, I think he has a shot if he's not
3: already in. He won a championship with Cleveland. He's a great rebounder, a really good scorer. He has some. I don't some think awesome he's a,
4: Min- I was going to say right. Timberwolves, right? Yeah, it's an, an All awesome NBA, NBA player. There,
0: so. I don't know if he's a superstar. Kevin Love has obviously just been overrated to me. And there've been games when he just, in and then he just disappeared. Well, I didn't pay attention to him when he was in Minnesota.
2: He
5: dominated. A my
0: five-time All Star, and. uh... Two time All NBA, which is the hmm. version that's like All Pro versus. There's only you know, five guys that make
3: that team. First well, team All NBA.
0: One time rebounding champ. Times? Well, let me take a look at this. You talk amongst yourselves. I'll, he's I'll put up, I in.
5: think he's quietly put together a Hall of Fame resume.
3: He's also a player like Chris Bosch, whose numbers were depressed playing with LeBron, but won with LeBron's. So I think that, if. Kevin Love does make the Hall of Fame. A lot of it will have to do with the fact that he was one of the best players on a championship team, even though in a lot of ways LeBron and Kyrie Irving, to a lesser extent, carried them to that title.
0: Second team All-NBA twice.
3: So a top-ten player twice. I mean, maybe he's a little bit like in that Frank Gore conversation where he has evening. a Hall of Fame caliber career, but you're not sure if you ever were watching a Hall of Fame player when he was in his prime. His best seasons came out losing teams with Minnesota. But here's the thing. Everybody gets into the Basketball Hall of Fame eventually. He's played yeah, USA Basketball. He had a good standards. season at UCLA in college, went to the Final Four. Kevin Love, I think, will be in the Hall of Fame. He'll probably retire as one of the all-time
0: leading rebounders. He'll
3: have the numbers. I think he'll get in.
0: Hmm. Kevin Love, total rebounds. Uh, right now he's 87th uh, career. Um Seventy fifth if you do do the NBA and take out the ABA. Right now he's the eighth. He ranks eighth among active players hmm. in total rebounds. Um and so, he's only thirty years old. He seems Play like he's a been few around more years. forever. Well, Maybe he gets another ring if he yeah, goes 31, somewhere 31. else. He's thirty one. Um go to the Lakers? Everybody else does. That year in the playoffs when the Cavs won the title, he averaged
4: uh, it was a good team, man. Uh, now I'm going back through that. That uh, was
0: a good final. Kyrie fourteen point seven points, seven point one rebounds. I'm sorry, eight point eight rebounds and hmm. two assists. Shot thirty nine percent from the floor. All right. Well, that's that. that. I'm still unsatisfied. All right. When we come back, <laughs> we're going to have Joel Stanishevsky on the line from Vegas. We're going to talk about. This weekend's games, Minnesota at San Francisco, Tennessee at Baltimore. Those games are Saturday and then Sunday, uh, Houston at Kansas City, Seattle at Green Bay. He's going to break those down from a betting standpoint for us when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK.
8: Super Joel Sunday.
5: On wet ball drills. Welcome to the
0: Tim Graham Show. Well, what's
3: the. Uh the time period for when you can watch that off. Now on
0: Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Tune in radio at sportsradio1270.com and on the fans app. Your wife will never know. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show brought to you by CTBK. Underrated Beatles song. Now oh, I've yeah. said that the Beatles in general are overrated.
4: We did a Beatles song draft at the bar one night. I think yeah, you were there. What did you take, anyways? Uh,
0: probably come together. Maybe yeah. I don't know, but I would have given it a lot more thought than that. But off Waro the top of my head, took hey paperback
2: Jude. writer. I took uh, uh,
0: I took Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Yeah, I might Norwegian Wood. I like that's th- that's what you took. was that my bet. Yeah, wow, it yeah, was yeah. that my pick. Yeah, yep. you don't like
5: you made a noise at the mention of Hey Jude.
0: Hey Jude is like where I feel about the Beatles. It's great, great, but overrated. Like people, See, like it's just, it's their signature song. I don't know. I, I, there are so many other better Beatles yeah, songs.
3: That's Rodak's favorite Beatles song.
0: <laughs> we the, the inside joke there is that Rodak would make fun of our music and then we would ask him to name a song by a certain band like... Led Zeppelin. Oh, he couldn't name yeah, a Zeppelin. Yeah. or yeah. I played a Zeppelin. Or we played Elv- one, yeah. Elvis, and he wouldn't know it. Yeah. You give
3: him Stairway 2, and he still couldn't name a Led Zeppelin song. Right.
0: <laughs> You're right. I could spot him the Stairway, and he still couldn't. Hey, uh, Bobby, uh, you have something you need to address. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Celine <laughs> uh, I-,
7: I apologize. I got the name wrong. It was not Selino, Ross Selino of Selino and Barnes that was uh, – arrested it was vince Vince Vincenello, who was another italian name that i confused i uh i tend to do that just former niagara falls mayor yeah exactly so to be clear (laughs) ross salino was innocent was not in the clink and not in the clink but whatever he was suspended for yes Got it. And you apologize, and I apologize on behalf as well.
0: of the Tim Graham Show, and, and uh, on behalf of myself, on behalf of you. You throw yourself the on the mercy of anybody who might sue us. Ab- absolutely. I just want to double. Okay. I'm, I'm glad, just, you, that's brought it I'm glad you brought up. Glad you brought it up. that
2: quickly without an attorney.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tim, are you going to
3: apologize to Kevin Love?
0: Yeah. When I see him, I'll apologize <laughs> to him. It'd be like EJ. If I ever run into, you know, to. Uh, Kevin Love, and he says, "Hey man, uh, did you say that about me on on the Tim Graham show on Sports Radio 1270 The oh Fan?" It'd be like when I asked DJ e. Manuel about the Bills and whether or not they should draft another <laughs> quarterback, and he's like, "Why do you think they should?" And I'm standing there looking at him face to face, and I know I'm going to write that they should, so I'm like, "I could be a coward and say no." And I, so do you think they should draft another quarterback? And I said, "I do." Yeah. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> Who's interviewing who and, here, EJ? He, e. And he turned and walked away, <laughs> or whatever he said. All right, man, cool. Or. All right, I whatever. I'll show you.
4: All right, hey. He showed me. All right. <laughs> so we go from hey Jude to hey Joel. From Buffalo to Las
7: Vegas. It's Joel Sanchez. Super Joel Sunday. The bills make me wanna. <laughs> Everyone who hates
8: Tom Brady hates Tom Brady because he, he's not on there. Tomorrow is my birthday. <laughs> it's Joel <laughs> But I mean, this is just awesome. I mean, the excitement that's around the,
0: the, the city. Has
6: it's more like a royal flush. Oh,
0: Joel Stanishevsky on the line from Vegas. Uh, hey, Joel. Anybody you want to slander? <laughs>
8: <laughs> uh, so back when I was in college. Uh, my friend Mike Conway and I would always be driving home, and we ever, the first person who saw the Salino and Barnes sign would yell out, I'm Salino, you're Bald Barnes, because we didn't want to be the bald guy. And I just recently, within the past, like, three days, texted him about that. And he was like, yeah, do I need to say it? And I was like, yes, I know. I'm fully aware that I'm bald. I get that. <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 the history behind it, so... Salino and Barnes, I, I probably I have a lot of negative things to say about them other than the, the memories of their sign on the 190.
0: Not all inside jokes are funny.
8: <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all, but they are to me.
0: There was a double tragedy uh, in the uh realm last week. Uh, I don't know if you want to clue anybody in, but uh, I'll, I'll get you started. So you're unable to attend the game. And uh, you had a friend bail out on you, and you're unable to make the trip, or you're unwilling. You didn't want to go by yourself to, right. to see your beloved Buffalo Bills in the playoffs, play against the Houston Texans. But you decided to do something else with the money.
8: Yeah, I decided to uh, take any dollar amount that I was going to spend on my ticket and my flight and my hotel and just lay it all on the Bills' money line.
4: All on the money line. Oh, doctor. And
8: I... And I and what's so funny is because I, I this is like the, the worst nightmare of a person who bets is I'm so into the game I'm so stoked on the Bills I just look at the in running line at halftime when the Bills were a five dollar favorite and it didn't even click to me like hey bet the other side just in case and uh, of course that we all know how that ended. So uh, yes, it was quite quite tragic.
0: Well, the points badly. wouldn't have been enough anyway, because I think it was two and a half, right?
8: Uh, yeah, I can't remember specific. I think at the time it was two and a half, and, and I could have probably found a three somewhere in town. But I have the app, so I just uh, I just bet what's on the app. And if there's a serious number that I need to go and travel for, I will. But if I, if I'm betting a money line, I got it at a dollar thirty. It was a dollar twenty five some places, dollar thirty some places. So I got a good. Moneyline price, I wasn't going for the, for the point spread. So
0: It's my question it it. of the day, Joel. What has been replaying most of all? What images are going through your mind most over the past four days?
8: Um, the uh, recovered kickoff fumble touchdown that was taken back without being reviewed, which is, I think, from what I, I've read, it, it's supposed to be reviewed, not just people talking about it. When the person who makes the call on the field makes the call, that's the call until you review it. Um, That one, the uh, bogus uh, blindside block, crackback block, whatever you want to call it, Uh, those are probably the two big ones. And then, of course, uh, Deshaun Watson getting uh, double sacked, and they just perfectly hit in the exact spot on opposite sides of his body, and he just stood there and bounced off. If one of them hits him, he goes down. The other one hits him, he goes down. If they hit each other a second later, or a half second later, he goes down. They hit it the exact same time, he just bounces off and throws a 50-yard pass. It was awful.
0: How would you feel if it were the other way around on that second-half kickoff, if it were the Bills player who flipped the ball to the ref and Houston got a touchdown out of it? Would you think that was fair? Would you think that was uh, legit?
8: Probably not. Uh, I would probably still be... I'd probably be more angry at the Bills player because uh, I, I I also read somewhere that a similar thing happened in a college game, like the next day, where a player did that and the other team was awarded a touchdown. I don't know if it's a hundred percent fact. I just saw it like on Facebook or something, so I, you know, I'm not just well, going to say legit. truth, but of course it is. Facebook's always truthful, um, but yeah, I, re- I remember when the when the Bills uh, intercepted a touch a, a pass at the end of a game. And uh, it was um, not Micah Hyde. It was Jordan Poyer. And then he got up and celebrated out of the end zone. And the other coach was complaining that it was a safety. And the referees said, like, no, he gave himself up. This guy, from what I saw and what I've seen repeatedly, is he didn't give himself up. He didn't take a knee. He didn't. He took a step forward and then just tossed the ball. And the, the ref, who's the one who's in charge of calling it a a touchback jumped out of the way of the ball, implying he knew that it was a live ball. So, you know, it's one of those things that you could go through and find a couple of reasons why they lost. And it could be, uh, referees. It could be penalties. It could be, uh, you know, play calling being too predictable in the second half, being too soft on defense in the second half, whatever you want to call it. It's, uh, the, the way I look at it is this way: I'm disappointed, absolutely. The Bills were thought of as a six-win team all year long, so the fact that they won 10 and could have easily won 11 and made it into the playoffs is they did far better than uh, people were anticipating. So it's a uh, hopefully it's a good foundation we can continue that winning uh, tradition that we've now started.
0: All right, Joe, you ready to do some uh, analysis on these four playoff games this weekend? Absolutely all right let's start off with Minnesota at San Francisco. it's the 430 game on Saturday uh, San Francisco is a seven point favorite uh, your thoughts
8: yeah uh, you know the the talk around is that the first three games are, are all really big favorites uh, uh, I think I think this one is a little high at seven it should be a touch lower um, San Francisco is a really good team uh, you know. all the teams are really good teams at this point in time. So you have to look at what factors you could take into it to play a certain side. And um, what's interesting is three of the teams, including Minnesota, um, away teams were away teams last week as well. Uh, So you have, you have Minnesota traveling to new Orleans, then traveling back to Minnesota, then traveling to San Francisco. That's a lot of miles they're putting on. Uh, Even if they went straight to San Francisco after, and they didn't go back to, to Minnesota, it's a lot of traveling. Um, that puts a lot of wear and tear on your body. They played a, an overtime game, uh, just like Houston did, so you got that extra time off, and you have to play again. So you get really beat up, and we know playoff sports, whether it's playoff uh, football or playoff hockey or playoff basketball, everything's a little bit harder. The hits are a little bit harder. Uh, getting up is after you know 17 weeks of playing, uh, now going on to 18 weeks is a lot a lot harder when you don't get a week off in between, and you don't get to sleep in your own bed and, and practice and watch the other team and make notes. It, you know, it's just like a bye week. When you look at a team coming off of a bye week, when you look at, it, you know, when you're looking after a bye week for certain teams like San Francisco, Baltimore, KC, Green Bay, you're looking coaches' strategy, how they do after uh, a bye week, and that's what they have. They have a bye week and they get to relax and get healthy. Where these other teams uh, are just. Been getting beat up on. And, you know, two of them played overtime, three of them traveled. So there's a lot of those factors, uh, not just team versus team, player versus player.
0: Tennessee at Baltimore. Baltimore opened as a 10 point favorite. It's down to nine some places, nine and a half. So it seems yep. as though the early money is coming in on Tennessee. Uh, is that just because 10 points in the playoffs is maybe just too much for people to pass up?
8: Yeah, when you look at when you look at um double digit dogs in the playoff, I don't have this specific number off the top of my head, but um they they have to have a pretty high clip of covering. Uh again, we're looking at a team that had limped into the playoffs, uh that beat a team that a, a lot of people were considering a Super Bowl contender uh, you know, even a couple of weeks ago. So they they're overperforming. Uh most of these teams Tennessee and especially Houston uh, they're playing with house money now. They don't. They, they weren't expected to win. Uh, Houston at halftime wasn't expected to win that game. Tennessee wasn't expected to win that game. So now they they got a free roll. They they can go all out and try the trick plays and try the, the crazy stuff um, that you normally wouldn't try when you're in a position that you, I guess you could say, earned versus were kind of given. Tennessee earned the victory against New England, but they weren't expected to do that. So you kind of have that advantage, like that surprise advantage, I guess you could say. Uh, of of catching this team unprepared for you and they weren't expecting you in the, the week before, uh, but again they're coming off of traveling, uh, not as much because it's just Tennessee to to New England to Baltimore, but um, you're running into a, a buzz saw of of the Baltimore Ravens. But a big thing for Baltimore is if um, uh, running back is going to play twenty one name name escapes Mark me right him. now. Thank you. Mark Ingram, if he doesn't play, that's a huge component of their team uh, that's, that's not going to be out there. Uh, I haven't seen any uh, updates about his health, um, but without him out there, you can really focus in on, uh, on Lamar Jackson. So uh, It's a big number. You can again, again, at this point, you could make an argument for any team. I think Baltimore, especially if it keeps dropping, if you can get it at nine, uh, I think it's a pretty solid bet. They should, be, they should be able to win by two touchdowns, I think.
0: All right, so so far, Joel Staniszewski likes Minnesota and the points, right? Because you said that yep. number was a little high. And uh, Baltimore lay the points. Uh, all right, Sunday's games, Houston at Kansas City. Nine points for Kansas City is where it opened, but it's now up to ten in some places. Yeah,
8: so you could still get some 9 and a halfs in town, and that's where you would travel to, to, to get a number. Uh, when you're looking at uh, a key number, 3, seven, ten, 10, and, and if you're on your app or you're in a book and you see a 10 and you know there's a 9.5 out there, you go and you get it. Uh, you're not going to spend the 20 cents to buy the half a point down. You're not going to, uh, you know, try to get the guys to wait to see if you could get a better number. Like you get it, you go somewhere and you find that number. Uh, Kansas City, again, coming off of a, a long layoff. Um, Houston overtime. Granted, it was at home. It was a great emotional win. I'm sure their locker room afterwards and the the partying afterwards coming back was a, a lock. Now they got to travel. Um, I, I would definitely take Kansas City at this point. At that at this point.
0: All right, interesting game here because uh, it's the closest of all of them. Uh, three and a half points. Uh, Green Bay is favored over Seattle. That game is at Green Bay.
8: Yeah. Um, Seattle did not impress me at all. Um, Back to the actual betting world, I I, I unloaded on Seattle Moneyline when they were a slight underdog when um, Philly was moving the ball in the game. And just so happened shortly after that was when uh, Wentz went out of the game. Seattle was up at halftime by 7 or 10, whatever it was, and I could get um, uh, Philly at a great number, so I got off of that, and I was... uh, Plus money both ways on that, which was great. Uh, they didn't impress me. They, their defense didn't impress me. Their running their running game is 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 a fourth stringer and two retired guys who were retired a couple weeks ago. Um, Green Bay, you know, they're a they're a they're a weird team. You know, they're they got a great record. They got a great rent record against the spread, but I feel like they've always been underperforming and underwhelming this year. Uh, you don't really hear a lot of buzz about Aaron Rodgers being the great quarterback that you've heard about him being in the last couple of years. Uh, but I think if they can uh, get some good play calling with the with the week off, I think uh, I like Green Bay.
0: All right, Joel. So to recap, we have three home teams with the exception of uh, Minnesota, the only road team that Joel likes uh, if you're able to get uh, uh, seven points. Uh, that's the first game on Saturday at 4.30. Take Minnesota and the points. All the other ones uh, take the home team and give up the points. Right? Did I say that right? You, you got it. Yeah, okay. Wait, Joel, wait I, for next year. I hope they, I hope they win, uh, so that way you can uh, find some consolation in uh, not only missing the trip to Houston, but then finding a way to get rid of all your money anyway without making the trip.
5: <laughs> and spoiling a potentially extra super super joel sunday oh yes yeah well, we're gonna have you imagine
0: to, there still will be a super joel sunday though right
5: super joel it's, it's sunday still, it's still still on it's absolutely
0: okay on. regardless yeah, of the teams
4: hey joel do yeah. you do you do a uh, pga at all do you get into the golf or do you only play the majors if you do what's your take on betting golf
0: uh i have in the
8: past when i was working in books and i was on top of it more and i watched it regularly and i really checked the, the odds and everything uh, i haven't done it in a while but uh I love Tiger Woods. He's great. <laughs> uh, but uh, if anything, trying to bet uh, to win it all, to win a tournament is is really tough. Yeah. If you were to bet anything, you bet like head to head matchups.
4: Yes, yeah, so the head to heads are fun. Okay.
8: Yeah.
0: Got it. Got it. Joe, right. we'll catch you next week when we talk about the conference championships. Sounds good. All right. That was Joel Staniszewski on the N Triple C Thunderwolves Hotline. Come be a part of a winning team at Niagara County Community College. Uh, my thanks uh, previously uh, on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline, Brandon Bean, Bill's general manager, joined us. Uh, my thanks to Chris Baker for coming into studio uh, for the whole time and uh, adding to the conversation, uh, giving us the lowdown on the Buffalo Sabres. You can follow him at Sabres Prospects. My thanks uh, to my usual partners in crime, Matthew Fairburn of the Athletic, Jonah Bronstein of the Bronstein Firm, <laughs> Bobby Rosati, Diddle in the Knobs, with unbelievable dexterity. Uh, we'll see you next week, 4 to 6 p.m. Wednesday on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. This is The Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shanto. <laughs> oh.
5: You fumbled the game ball.
0: I did. I just fumbled it away. Shampoo Travis, Saw and Kirstner, CPAs and business consultants. That's CTBK. Later. Ram show. I might be having, I, I might be having.